The following audio is from the Ridge Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. For more information about Ridge Church, please visit ridgechurch.cc. We hope you enjoy this message from the Ridge. If I haven't met you yet, I'm Rusty, one of the pastors here at the Ridge. Pastor Bobby is off with his family on vacation this week, getting in a little camping and enjoying the outdoors. Not sure how much Denera is enjoying that, but they're doing some camping. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Can hardly wait to hear the stories when they get back. Uh, last week, Bobby started a series called Three Things That Jesus Didn't Say or Three Things That Jesus Never Said. And he talked about some things that uh, a lot of times are that we talk about sin and things that Jesus never said about sin, although we tend to think that he did. And we're going to continue that series today. We're going to pick it up and we'll actually wrap it up next week. We'll be the third and final part of that series before we get into our next one. You know, it's amazing growing up in the church, the amount of things that I heard said. uh, And, you know, I I really can't remember if I heard somebody say, well, it's in the Bible, or Jesus said this, or, but it was sure said with that thought behind it. You know what I mean? And, And we just sort of buy into it. And it really seems like if anyone says something that sounds... Jesus-y, there's your new word, Jesus-y. If, if it sounds Jesus-y or biblical, we'll buy it. Well, oh, yeah, it must be in there. Uh, that's not always the case. I mean, a number of them came up on the screen uh, during the little bumper video there. Uh, you know, it, it, God closes a door, he opens a window. Uh, what? I I don't get that. I mean, you know, if you're on the 12th floor, that's not really a good idea. Where are you going to go? I mean, I I want something a little better. And we just get into a lot of stuff. Let me give you an example. I want to show you a passage that I used from a message, I guess, a couple of years ago or so. Uh, And I want to read over this passage, and then we'll talk a little bit about this. Okay, it comes from Hezekiah says, verse 3, And God spoke to Hezekiah, saying, I will set you on a throne, and there you will rule as a king over your domain for a period of time. And all that comes into your life will pass, but the throne will remain. Others will sit upon the throne before you and after you, but all will know that you were there. Your name, back up, there you go. Your name will be called out loudly by many who come to the throne room. And many will call out your name in anguish for the deeds that you have done. Hezekiah 1, 3 through 5 from the NITB. Now that sounds good. There's only, well, I start to say there's only one problem. That's not true. There are several problems. First big problem. There's no such book as Hezekiah in the Bible. There's a king, Hezekiah, but there's no book in the Bible called Hezekiah. It's taken from the NITB, which stands for not in the Bible. I know that's what it stands for because I made it up along with the scripture from, or not scripture, not scripture, passage from Hezekiah. Now, another thing that we're really bad about as Christians is we take something out of context. We will pluck a verse, pluck one sentence out of a passage because it fits what we need at the moment, right? And context is very, very important. This is a good example This takes on a whole different meaning and light when you understand what context this was written in. Let me share you the context. 
the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I will set you on a throne. (laughs) And there you will rule as king over your domain. And all that comes into your life will pass. But the throne will remain. Others will sit on the throne before you and after you. But all will know that you were there. Your name will be called out loudly by many who come to the throne room. Boom, boom, boom. Dad, I need him there. And many will call out your name in anguish for the deeds that you have done. I don't want to explain that when you get that one. I just... I actually use this passage, not scripture, but passage in a message on false teachers and false prophets, okay? And we have a lot of false teachers and false prophets in the world today, and a lot of them are intentionally that way. But the truth of the matter is we also do it accidentally by saying things, telling people things that are in the Bible when... No, they're not. Well, that Jesus said this, and no, he didn't. So we have to be careful about when we we throw stuff out there. Um, We know that at times in our life when things are tough, and they're just, they're dark, and it's it's a storm or whatever metaphor, a valley, whatever metaphor you want to put on it, it, things are tough. A lot of times we'll have good, well-meaning Christians try to come to our aid. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't, don't miss it. There's nothing wrong with that. And they come to try to encourage us and help us. But then they just say some stupid things where they've just messed something up. Like the one we're going to talk about today. God won't give you more than you can handle. How many of you have heard that? How many of you, be honest with me here, how many of you have actually thought, that's in the Bible somewhere. I don't know where, but that's in there somewhere. Yeah. I won't ask how many people have actually told somebody that. We won't, won't ask that question. But, yeah, what, really? Really? Where did it come from? If it's not in there, then where did it come from? Well, basically, it comes from us screwing up a scripture reference. We take one scripture reference that was meant for one thing and we just slaughter it. We reword it. We think it means something else and and we check out 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in the ESV, not the NITB. This is actually in there, okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Okay, let's go back to context. Let's set up a little bit of context right here. This was written by Paul, who writing a letter to the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth, (laughs) they like to party. They really like to party. Uh, And when there wasn't a, a Jewish festival or a festival of the church going on, and they'd look down the street and go, oh, well, look, that temple to that God's having a party. Party, let's go. And they'd head down the street. It didn't matter if it was a false god. They were all about celebrating and having a good time. 
And Paul's writing to him and going, whoa, 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 stop. No. Christ didn't come and die for you so that you could run off and celebrate false gods. No, don't do that. And the Corinthians are going, well, it's a party. We want to go. And I know some of you have heard people say this one, well, if God didn't want me to do it, he wouldn't have put it in front of me. No. That's not in the Bible either. And so Paul's saying, look, yeah, are you going to be tempted? Yes, you're going to be tempted. In every way known to mankind, everybody goes through these temptations, you're going to be tempted, but when, but when you're tempted, when a temptation is in front of you, God will give you a way to escape. He'll give you a way out of it. Now, it may be simple, but that, we all know that doesn't mean easy. You know, just walking away is simple, but it's not always easy. Turning the TV off isn't. It's simple, but it's not always easy. Putting a filter on your computer, simple thing to do. Not always an easy thing for us to do. Not hanging around with friends who have gotten us into bad situations before and going to those same, those same places. Not always easy to turn them down, but it's there. It's an escape. We have a way out. And that's what God promises dealing with temptation. Temptation has nothing to do with God won't give you more than you can handle, but we've twisted it around. <clears throat> so, let's wait a minute. Let's, let's think through this, though. So, if the Bible doesn't say that God will not give you more than you can handle, does that mean that he might give you more than you can handle? Or that he will give you more than handle? Or he may allow you to be in situations that are more than you can handle? Yes. Scary question. Scarier answer. Yes. And the Bible is full of examples. Full of examples. Gideon raised up to lead. Gideon considered himself to be the weakest in his clan. Okay. Moses. Moses, who had terrible speech and no leadership skills. God puts it on him to lead the nation of Israel and rebel against Pharaoh. Esther, scared to death. David, David, a man who the Bible says was after God's own heart. Check this out. Check out Psalm 38. See if this sounds like it's coming from a man who God hasn't given him more than he can handle. <clears throat> Psalms 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate all the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the torment of my heart. O oh Lord, all my longing is before you. My sign is not hidden from you. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. In the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. 
My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and meditate treachery all day long. But I am like a deaf man I do not hear, like a mute man who does not open his mouth. I've become like a man who does not hear and whose mouth are no rebukes. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. But my foes are vigorous. They are mighty. And many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Does that sound to you like it's coming from a man who hasn't been given more than he can handle? A man who is after God's own heart? David is crushed. He's overwhelmed with guilt. It's more than he can handle. Or what about this? Even a better example. Jesus and Mark. Mark 14, 32 through 36. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to to be greatly distressed and troubled. Jesus now. Jesus, greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus crying out to God the Father, Please, God, I don't want to do this. I know you can take this from me. Please take it from me. Please. But only if it's your will. Come on now. If Jesus can get to the, into a situation, be given a situation that is more than he can handle, do we think that we're not going to be in those situations? Do we think that we're exempt, we're immune from things like that? But if God's going to allow us to be in those situations, then it it begs the question, it's a fair question, why? why? Why am I going to be in situations that are more than I can handle? There are two main reasons that I want us to hit on today. One is that God wants us to depend on Him. To depend on Him. If we could handle everything on our own, would we need God? Probably not. And and please don't raise your hand on this, but just stop and think for a second. When do you call on God the most? When things are going great in your life or when the bottom has fallen out? 
When things are going good, we like to take credit. We like to step up and go, okay, I can handle this. I'm good with this. I've got this. Don't worry about it, God. I got it. And we push God to the side. But when the bottom falls out on us, when the storm hits, then all of a sudden, God, help me. Where are you, Father? Be with me. Help me get through this. Take this from me. The last time I spoke here at the Ridge, I uh, was speaking about prayer and shared a lot about uh, prayer when my late wife, Kay, was battling breast cancer for four years and then uh, her death and her moving on to heaven and then the, the time since then. And I know that I could not have made it through any of that without God. It was more than I could handle. I used to joke, my doctor, during the, the whole cancer thing and my doctor had given me a prescription for an anti-anxiety drug, and, and people would come up to me, especially after Kay passed away, and, and it wasn't too long after she passed away that I'd have people come up to me and say, well, you know, say, how are you doing? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Well, you know, you look like you're doing great. It seems like you're doing great. How are you doing so good? And my standard answer, which was a joke, but people took it really seriously, or at least part of it was a joke, part of it was serious. My standard answer was, Bill in a prayer. Pill and a prayer. I got the pill for anti-anxiety. I got God for everything else. Truth of the matter is, I very seldom took the pill. Because God was enough. His strength was enough. Uh, and couldn't have got through it without I, I don't know how people managed to do it without him. Two little side notes here you're taking notes, sort of put them over on the margins or over to the side or whatever. Two little side notes. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. God is right there. He's still with you. Even when things are dark, even when things aren't going the way you want, even when you're not getting the prayers answered the way you want, even when things are are bad beyond belief, God is still there with you. Another one, a question to sort of to meditate on and ponder on this week a little bit when you get time is, it's a tough question, really. <clears throat> it's an easy question to throw a quick answer at, but really search your heart on this one. Would you rather be in a valley, a really dark time in your life with God, or on a mountaintop when th everything is going great and right without God. Now, our culture teaches the mountaintop. The Bible teaches the valley. Not the easy place to be. But give it some thought and do some, do some examining of your own heart this week. The second reason that God may allow us to be put into situations that are more than we can handle, is so that we can experience His power, His love, His mercy, His grace, His power. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about, uh, refers to a thorn in his flesh. And scholars don't know exactly know what that was. They know it was something bad, obviously, but they don't know what. They don't know if it was a physical ailment, some think it's his eyesight, some think it's an illness, some think it's, it's not even him physically, it's something externally. Nobody knows. 
But we do know that Paul prayed three times, and scholars tell us that wasn't, probably wasn't just three quick prayers. That was three periods or seasons of praying where he fasted and meditated and, and put himself before God and basically begged God to take this from him. And apparently, God didn't. Not this side of heaven. Now, the thing about that is, our culture today teaches that Paul ought to be ticked. I mean, let's face it, Paul had been whipped, beaten, thrown in prison, shipwrecked, had even been bitten by an incredibly poisonous snake and survived that. He'd gone through all these things trying to serve God, and God won't remove this thorn from his flesh? What's up with that? He deserved it. It's a very twisted viewpoint that we have, especially in our culture, that the only thing that we deserve is to die and burn in hell. It's God's mercy and grace that keeps that from happening. That's the only thing that, that keeps that from happening. We really don't want what we deserve. We want God's grace. I can honestly tell you that any pastor who's honest with you will tell you there are times when we don't want to get up here. Just don't. Today, one of those times. Um, I was on the schedule. Uh, the next time I was supposed to speak was supposed to be in June. And I was, I was good with that. And then not this week, but last week, uh, Bobby, I can't remember if he texted or emailed or called me or whatever, but got in touch with me and said, uh, hey, I've sort of messed up my schedule. I didn't realize that I wasn't going to be there on the 24th. Can, uh, can you bring the message that morning? Uh, my first response was, can you get somebody else? Didn't want to do it. And he said, well, I really kind of need you to do it. Okay. And then this past week, I knew this past week, one of the reasons I didn't want to do it, because I knew this past week was going to be a tough week. I had no idea how tough, but it was going to be a tough week. And this past week, it was one major thing after the other kept coming. And most of them worked out really well. I mean, one major thing would come up, and I'd have to deal with it, and, and, and it would work out okay, and would, thank you, Lord. And, and then the, about the time you think about, okay, I've got to get focused on the message, then boom, another big thing would come up, and it's like, oh, man. And so I'd, I'd deal with that for a day or so, and then that gets taken care of. And so what it's coming all the way down to is Friday. And I only have one more thing left on my schedule for the week, and that was Friday morning to go have my annual physical, and then I, I've taken the rest of the day off from work, so I had the rest of the day to work on the message on Friday, and that would give me all day Saturday if I needed it, and I, I was okay with that, except <clears throat> I get to my physical, and all the little tests are coming back, and I doctor's checking off, this is good, this is good, this is good, and then he gets to the very last one, and that page pops up, and it's red letters. And I had one little test that was way higher than it's supposed to be. 
And my doctor says, you've got to have more tests. And that scared me to death. This strikes fear into the core of my heart. And I'm going home thinking, I've got to prep a message. And I'm one of these people that I cannot get my blasted brain to shut down on something like that. And I will what if it to death. What if it's this? What if it's that? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if that happens? And it just turns. And I can't hear God with all that noise going on in my head. And God gave me peace. Not peace about how the tests are going to come out or whatever what in the future. Just now. Peace. And my mind quieted to where I could hear God. That's God's strength and power. I want to leave you with one more scripture reference. This is in Philippians 4. 4 through 8. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious, don't worry, about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You want to experience God's strength? Then you rejoice in Him no matter what. Sure, you pray and you ask what's on your heart. But you rejoice no matter what the answer is and you thank Him for no matter what the answer is. And God grants you the strength to have peace that passes all understanding. Craig Rochelle from Life Church has an analogy. He says that being in a storm is like being... Too often we deal with it like we're in a rowboat and we're just rowing and rowing and rowing our brains out trying to get through this storm. And we're not really getting anywhere. The storm's too big. It's too strong. But we're still rowing our brains out trying to handle it on our own when all we really have to do is put up the sail and let the Holy Spirit carry us through the storm. That's all. Let Him deal with it. I serve a God that's always there for me. When things are good, He's there. When things are bad, He's there. Is He going to give you more than you can handle? Yes. Yes. He didn't take the thorn from Paul's flesh. He didn't take the cup from Jesus. He may not take you out of your situation. He may not give you what you're praying for and ask to solve the problems the way you want it solved. But that doesn't mean He isn't there. 
See, it's not yours to hold on to. When Paul didn't get the thorn removed from his flesh, he didn't throw a tantrum. He didn't go off on, but God, I deserve better. Look what I'm doing for you. And this is the way you're going to treat me? You won't even take care of this one thing? He didn't throw a tantrum. I've thrown those tantrums. God still loves me. Instead, Paul started talking what we would call crazy talk today. Paul started saying stuff like, I'm weak, so I'm strong. What? What do you mean you're weak, so you're strong? Because Paul understood and had it figured out that in his moment of weakness, at the lowest of lows, when he calls on God and God gives him that strength, that he is stronger at that weakest point of his life than he is at any other time in his life. Any time when things are going good, any time when he thinks he has it together, never is he as strong as when he realizes just how weak he is and calls on God for his strength. My challenge for you today is this. Let it go. Quit trying to hold on on your own. too much it's just too much and you'll be crushed but instead turn in your weakness and ask God to step in and give you strength to get through the storm and to use you as he would use you let's pray Father we love you so much Father, we can't get our minds wrapped around just how much you love us. And we confuse things so much in our society and our culture and the world around us tries to to clutter it up so much and say that we deserve so much better when, Father, we have you and there is no better than having you. Father, help us to feel that strength. Help us to draw on your strength. Help us to have that peace because we know you're there. Father, help us to stop following false advice like that you won't give us more than we can handle and help us to embrace the fact that it doesn't matter what comes at us. You're there with us. Strengthen us, O Lord, in our weakness. In your Son's name, amen.